Patterson alumni and listeners, come back and rock at William Patterson University's Shea Center for Performing Arts on Friday, March 24th at 7.30 p.m. for the I Want My 80s, the best of MTV's early years. The show is featuring Grammy Award winner and fellow alumnus Rob Fusari, the original MTV VJ Mark Goodman, and Run DMC's Daryl McDaniels. All proceeds will benefit music scholarships. Tickets are available at wp-presents.org or at the Shea Center for Performing Arts. This has been a university event notice brought to you by the Shea Center for Performing Arts, the William Patterson Music Department, and your friends here at Brave New Radio. Music, we are your friends here at Music Biz. 101 and more Brave New Radio 88.7. This is the number one college radio station in America, according to the IBS, the Intercollegiate Broadcasting System. We are very proud to be here. I'm your professor, David Kirkhope, along with your professor, Aaron Van. Dino Mike, that's who he is, and that's what he is. Don't touch him. You will explode. You'll explode with Dr. Aaron. You're not a doctor. So we are here, Music Biz 101 and more background music sound. Just a tiny bit. There we go. Okay. And we're going to have a great show tonight. Right now, we're listening to Walk This Way, the famous version by Run DMC and Aerosmith. And we're going to have Daryl McDaniels, the DMC part of Run DMC, who's going to call in in just a couple minutes. At the top of the hour, you heard Ashley Welter, who is our co-host, our producer, our engineer, rock the waves with that special English language version of a public service announcement. Ashley Welter, thank you so much for rocking the airways. And again, a big thanks to Professor Dr. Business Manager Aaron Van Dyne. Oh, Mike, for being here. The D-Man, the VD, the V, wrong, <laughs> wrong kind of VD. Aaron Van Dyne, that's what he is. Didn't realize that. I was All day I've been thinking, he's the VD, and just now, when I'm on the air, it hits me that you are not that kind of VD. You're the fun kind. Is there a fun kind? Yes, Van Dyne, Mike. So, uh, with that in mind, musicbiz101wp.com, that's where you want to go. Sign up for the newsletter. Follow us on Instagram, the Twitter, the face of the book, at, at musicbiz101wp. We want to remind you the reason why this music is playing, the reason why we have Daryl McDaniels on is don't forget about I Want My 80s, the best of MTV's early years. This is going to take place here at Shea, Friday, March 24th, 7.30 p.m. We're going to talk all about it. Buy your tickets now, right now. If this is a podcast three years in the future, go back in time, 88 miles an hour, back to the future, 1985, wp with that in mind, we want to give thanks to the Music Biz Association. Save the date for May 15th through the 18th, year of our Lord 2017, when Music Biz goes to the Music Biz in Music City. We're going to be at the Music Biz Convention with a whole bunch of students. Are you going, Ashley? I sure hope to go. Ashley Welter hopes to go to Nashville, where we're going to make connections with industry pros. We're going to learn a whole bunch of stuff. You want to learn some stuff, Ashley, don't you? Of course I do. See, that's why she's so great. Hey, we also want to give thanks to the folks at Ann, uh, at Van Dynamite Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management. See what I did? Instead of Van Dyne Bruno, I said Van Dynamite. I just went with that whole kind of thing. 
Van Dyne, Bruno Inc., and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you are ready. And that's the second website in a row that we've talked about where there's a hyphen in it. We did wp-presents.org and now vb-cpa.com. Feeling good? We want to dedicate our show, of course, to Dr. Esteban Marconi, who is unavailable tonight. He is on assignment. And is, has our friend called in? And now we're going to go right into our friend Daryl McDaniels. Daryl, are you there? Yes. How are you doing? Never better. How about you? This is the place to be, isn't it, Daryl? Yes, sir. How are you <laughs> feeling out there? <laughs> we're feeling good. Let's. Hey, uh. We're going to start. University. <laughs> We're here at William Patterson. We have Aaron Van Dyne is on the air with me as well. Hello. He wants to say hi. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? Uh, I think I, I told you that Aaron is the business manager for uh, for Kiss, for Charlie Puth, for uh, right. D- Dave Matthews, all those folks. So he's a right he's a brilliant, brilliant fellow, and he's he's going to show that brilliance off tonight. I saw you two yeah, years ago. Yeah, music is in the business. I saw music you two years in the ago building. backstage at a at the Kiss concert down in the PNC. Oh yes, yep, exactly. My son, um, my son is a big, huge Kiss fan. Good. You and you, that. and you grew up a rock fan, right? You list, used to listen to Zeppelin and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's all I used to listen to growing up in Queens. Uh, you know, in the seventies, radio was incredible because um, there was a station, <clears throat> um, seventy-seven WABC, I believe. And um, one of the guys on there, one of the jocks on there was this guy named Dan Ingram. Mm-hmm. And my whole life, I never knew when I would hear, dan, dan, dan. I never knew I was singing, saying Dan Ingram. I found that out like a couple of years ago. Really? But the beautiful thing about radio back then was, um, you know, they played all the soul music. You know, the Jackson 5 was huge when I was growing up. And uh, James Brown, Sly and Family Stone and all of that. But as a little kid, I never cared about soul music or black power or afros or high heels or none of that. Because that station would play, you know, the Beatles and it would play Led Zeppelin. And it would also play, you know, the folk rock guys like Jim Jim Croce and Harry Chapin, um, um, Crosby, Stills, Young and Nash, Credence and all that. So as a little kid growing up, it's just... You know, this black young kid growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, it was the rock and it was the folk rock songs that caught me. And I think what had a lot to do with that, which also um, set me up to, um, you know, do what I did when hip-hop came from the Bronx to Queens, um, a lot of the soul music songs, you know, outside of Say It Loud, like I'm Black and I'm Proud, and, um, you know, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, a lot of the soul music was, you know, about love and stuff like that. And, you know, as a little kid, I wasn't into girls. I was into comic books and G.I. Joe and Big Jim. But the folk songs and the rock songs, even though these guys were iconic, big, huge rock stars and celebrities, they sung about the social issues. Whatever was going on at the time, you know, whether it was the Vietnam War, whether it was women's rights, whether it was politics and economics, you know, Fogarty and, you know, Neil Young when he did Ohio about the shooting at Kent University. So in addition to the rock songs and the folk songs, um, talking about current events, stuff that I was reading in my school books and hearing on the news and seeing on TV, 
in addition to the large, dope-ass drum beats and the rock guitars, it was just something more powerful about rock that attracted to me, that I was attracted to as a little kid, so that when I did do my hip-hop stuff, I didn't want to be the king of rap. We wrote a song called The King of Rock, but because I, I don't care about you know going up against rappers. I want to do what Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney and John Lennon was doing. So I'm a kid. I'm a rock kid to this day. That's all that's on my playlist is classic rock, um, all the you know the grunge, Nirvana, per, all the way up to like Pearl Jam is my cutoff point. <laughs> how, then how come you didn't pick up a guitar at some point? How you know, were you listening to Jimi Hendrix and and the, the yeah yeah the, all the, of that? I was yeah. listening. That, that's funny, but um, the reason why I never picked up the the, the, the um, instruments was because I was uh, all I did as a kid was listen, um, read, and draw comic books. So while I was listening to all these rock songs, I'm drawing, you know, a Marvel comic books was really huge to me because, uh, you know, DC and, and um, Superman, Batman, Justice League was cool, but Metropolis and Gotham was fictional. Stan Lee had the superheroes running around New York, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, Spider-Man's from Queens. I'm from Queens. So my whole existence, I never wanted to be in music. I never wanted to be on stage in front of y'all. I never wanted to be on TV. Um, I used to just read and draw comic books. That being said, I was paying attention to the rock stars and the sounds and, and, and the content of these records, but I never wanted to be that. Once hip-hop came over the bridge from the Bronx, what caught my eye about this hip-hop thing was like, oh, you can tell stories over music? So as a little kid, I just started writing for myself, not for the world to hear. I just started writing my own personal little raps because I was pretending from a comic book standpoint. My whole thing that got me into this business and up on stage with Run was I was make-believing. I'm the most powerful entity in this hip-hop universe. So I just started writing all these rhymes personally from me. And one of the big attractions of hip-hop was once hip-hop started, they started sampling a lot of the rock songs I was hearing on the radio. Rock songs such as Walk This Way from Aerosmith. I love the beat and the guitar sounds. I had never heard those lyrics because the DJ would never let them play that far. But also we sampled a lot of Rolling Stones. We sampled a lot of Queen. Um, we sampled a lot of Beatles beats. Um, Rush, you know what I'm saying? Tom Sawyer is a huge sample. So when hip-hop came over the bridge, it was like the comic books came to life. And I, I, I created this persona called... The initials of my name was um, Daryl McDaniels. My, my name is Daryl McDaniels. The initials of my name is DMC. So I said, okay, I'm going to become DMC. What Marvel comic books taught me, and this was was good about comic books and reading. Back in the late 60s and early 70s, even the educators were, you shouldn't let the kids read comic books. They need to read their notebooks and their textbooks and their workbooks. They overlooked the fact that I was reading every day, even though it was a comic book. I was reading every day, and Marvel comic books taught me something about life. It said, define yourself with an adjective, and you tell the world who you are, such as the Amazing Spider-Man, the Incredible Hulk, Invincible Iron Man. So when hip-hop came along, everything that was make-believe and fantasy in these comic books, I was allowed to use in this real world. So Daryl DMC McDaniels became the devastating Mike controller. And then I was like, wow. You can rap over rock beats. Walk this way. It's a tongue twister. 
Walk This Way isn't the first rap record. The first rock rap record is Rock Box, which was the first rap video on MTV. When we got on, when we started making our our albums, we came out with Sucker MCs, and we came out with um, It's Like That, which was socially conscious. We was trying to do what the message did. But when it was time for us to make the album, Jam Master J, rest in peace. Jam Master J was like, yo, D, you this big rockhead, man. So you come up with the beat, and we'll throw some guitars on the record, and we want to make a record like Billy Squire's Big Beat. So the comic books, the imagination, the make-believe, um, the inspiration, the way... The way um, Neil Young wrote, the way Bob Dylan wrote, um, the way John Fogarty wrote, even the way Elton John wrote, set me up with comic books, music, rock, and folk rock, set me up to become the mighty king of rock that I became when it was time to do these rap records with Run. And Run didn't put me in the group just because um, I could write some dope rhymes. You know, like, you know I, I can write some really, really good rhymes. But when Run came over my house, me and Run, we was never in the same grade in elementary school. It wasn't until eighth grade he came over my house and he discovered three things. He was like, wow, this guy DMC got a huge collection of comic books. So he knew I had an imagination. And then he looked at the grades that I was getting. I was a straight-A student, always on the forehead. He was like, yo, this guy DMC is smart. And then when he discovered my little personal rhymes, in my books that I was writing, he just looked at me um, in ninth grade, and he said, Yo, Daryl, whenever Russell lets me make a record, I'm putting you in my group. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I went to a completely different high school than Running Jay. Running Jay, Master Jay went to Andrew Jackson High School. I went to Rice High School in Harlem, 125th Street on Lenox Avenue. It was an all-boys Catholic high school. And, um, you know, I did well at Rice for four years. When um, 12th grade, I graduated. I made it into St. John's University. So the first thing that I did when I got accepted to St. John's University, I ran home and I wrote a rhyme about it. And that's the rhyme that you hear today. I'm DMC. And the place to be, I go to St. John's University. That summer, I graduated. It wasn't until August when Run called me and said, Daryl, it's Joe. I'm like, what's up, man? He was like, remember four years ago I said whenever Russell lets me make a record? I was like, yeah. Well, grab your school books, because I wrote all my rhymes in my school books. He was like, grab your school books, we're going to the studio. So all of those things, the comics, the rock, the folk rock, um, I saw that um, you didn't have to just um, be a rich and famous, iconic rock star. You can use this music thing to give across a message, a positive message that will educate, inspire, and innovate. And since, since the day that I stepped on the microphone, those are the things that I never forgot. Very interesting. Uh, you mentioned comic books. You know who else is a huge comic book collector and fan and actually, I think, taught himself English and to read was Gene Simmons. Yes, yes, yep, for he sure. Came, came at seven years old from Israel. He, he and that helped, yes, comic books helped him understand English to read him. collection yep. of comic books. And he became a mighty rock star. Because right. <laughs> us rock stars, we got superpowers. <laughs> Now, then you started your own comic book company a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, well, three years, three years ago. Right. But, see, the, the crazy thing about that was when I went to this, I, I was actually going to a music meeting. Um, I was trying to help my manager's brother shop this artist that he was, you know, shopping around. And the manager's brother was like, yo, D, if I call, 
they never gonna. They probably won't even pick up the phone. But he said, if I call, I'm never gonna get a meeting. But if you call, they'll probably tell you come upstairs right now. So I called up to um, Atlantic Records and Riggs Morales, he, who was who was the head of um, he was working A and R for the mighty rise of Shady Records with Eminem. He was there, and you know he was um, the guy that was helping with falling music during the, the rise of that mighty kingdom. So Riggs is up at Atlantic Records. I call up Riggs. He's like, come right up, D. So I go up there. And how the comic book came about was, just like I told you all, I went into his office and sat in. He's usually very professional, but I guess he couldn't hold it in because it was me. And he was like, yo, DMC, I'm really not supposed to do this, man. I'm really very professional, man. I never fan out, but you're DMC. And he used these words. He was like, yo, you guys, you know, you, you guys was like my superheroes. And he just... Before we start this, I just want to know something. What was it like when you was kids? Like, you know what I'm saying? Cause, yeah, I saw what you're doing, the records, but, you know, you grew up in Hollis, Queens. What was it like? And I was like, well, um, I went to Catholic school my whole life, and all I did was read and draw comic books. And when I said comic books, he gave me this crazy look. His eyes lit up. And we sat there for, like, three years and talked about comic books. And, at the, and for three hours, and we talked about comic books. And at the end of that, he was like, yo, D, you should do a comic book. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do a comic book. And he, he said, why not? I said, well, I don't want to be another rapper just because I got a hit record thinking I could do everything else because rappers don't know how to stay in their lane. They tend to ruin other genres that they get, go into because they, now they got a hit record. They think they could do everything. He was like, yo, that's, you know, that's unbelievable, whatever, whatever. But he said, yo, don't do the record as the celebrity. Or don't do the comic book as a celebrity DMC. He said, do the, do the comic book from the perspective of Daryl McDaniels, your first love was comic books, so do it as the thing you first loved. And I said, okay. He said, I said, as long as it's, when we do this, it's a tribute and celebration of what makes comic books great to all fans, to all of us geeks and nerds. And at first I was a little reluctant to do it, but then he said this to me. He said, D, you can do everything that you've done with your music within this medium and even more. And when he said that to me, give a positive message, you can educate, you can inspire, you can motivate people. That made me jump on the bandwagon. So it's crazy now because people are now going back to listen to all my records, King of Rock and Rockbox and um, Hit It Run and um, um, Together Forever. I was always dropping Easter eggs. If you listen to King of Rock, on King of Rock there's a line when Run says, I'm DJ Run I could scratch because Run was a DJ. Run used to DJ for Curtis Blow, so his first name was... DJ Run. He says, I'm DJ Run, I could scratch. I don't go, I'm DMC, I could rap. I go, I'm DMC, I could draw. And that was in 85. And even to crash through walls, come through floors, bust through ceilings and knock down doors. Rappers don't do that. Superheroes do that. But it's crazy. I use those words. And in the, the, this music world, Run DMC was able to come along and, you know, knock down doors and come through floors. People say, what Run DMC did, what Steven Tyler did with that Mike Stan and Aerosmith when he knocked down that wall, knocked that hole through that wall of separation, they say that didn't just happen in the video, that happened in the world. So I was able to do some real superhero, superhero type stuff with my music. And when Rick said, yo, D, you can do those very same things with the art, with the storytelling, with that, it's basically the same thing because the art succeeds where politics and religion fails. And um, so it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. And plus, I love to do it because I'm a geek and a nerd at art. When, when you did that in the Walk This Way video, when uh, Steven Tyler broke through the wall, 
Yeah. What was that a metaphor on purpose or just no? Looking, looking right. Back? No. The, 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 what's crazy about it's crazy that you asked that. The, the 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 whole concept of the video was by the director John Small. He's he's brilliant, but that was his whole idea to have us in one room, separated by the wall, and all of that. We had, like I said, we had no idea that that really would happen. You know what I'm saying? Now, when you look at it, it was maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know, but John Small was brilliant because what really happened in that video really happened. You know. Um, Kid Rock always says, Run DMC and Aerosmith had a baby and I popped out. And Travis Barker and, and um, um, Korn and Limp Biscuit and Blink-182, all of these groups go, because of you. You know, the, um, a few years ago, two years ago, I performed with Sum 41 at the Alternative Press Music Awards in Cleveland. And they personally reached out to me and, and wanted to... Yo, DMC, will you come on stage with us? And you know, it was one of their first shows back in the continental United States since Derek went through his, you know, little rehab problem and all of that. And it was like, yo, D, we want you to come on stage with us, and we want to do kick. And usually when I go on stage with people, people want to do tricky and walk this way and stuff like that. They wanted to do King of Rock. And it was crazy. Some 41 looked at me, and he said, we got to tell you something, DMC. And I'm like, what? They said, we became a band because of Run DMC. I was like, what the hell? What the... What do you mean? You guys, are, you guys were babies. He said, yeah. He said, we were little kids, and when we heard King of Rock, that's what made us perform a band. And <clears throat> all of those elements was, you know, always, always there. But when, 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 when John Small did that in the video, it was prophetic. That's the word I was looking for. It's interesting because I'm reading the Bruce Springsteen biography, Born to Run, right now. And he oh, told, wow. You should check it out. It's actually very good. And uh, Bruce writes about how, and he and I are on a first-name basis. That's why I call him Bruce. Right, right. Yeah, uh, best buddies. And he, he writes about mid-'90s, his son wants to go to the Starland Ballroom to see a band. And I want to say it's Rise Against, but I might be wrong. But, you know, uh, one of those sort of a harder rocking band, yeah. mid-'90s. And he brings his son. His son go has a friend. They go to the front front row of the show and bruce goes to the uh, bar and just kind of hangs out with other parents he says and then uh some guy says in like a big like purple mohawk comes up to him and says you want to meet the band he goes yeah sure so his son comes back with his friend bruce goes hey let's go backstage we can meet the band after the show so they go backstage and the band uh sees this bruce springsteen and one guy in the band says bruce i just got to show you something he rolls up his sleeve and there's a picture of bruce springsteen tattooed on his arm Wow, and that's kind of like what 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 you're what you're talking yeah. about is you don't understand the and I, I read an article about you, somebody did an interview with you as well where uh, I think you're sitting in a diner somewhere with yep. a couple of friends and some guy comes up to you and just stares at you and just says yep. you have no idea you know and you didn't right. really know what he was talking about exactly I was like huh like what you said you have no idea and that's the beautiful thing to be generationally impactful. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's very, very powerful. So when you see Bruce, tell him DMC definitely wants to collab with him. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Do that. Tell him I already. Tell him I got Joan Jett already. I got Travis Barker. I got Mick Mars. Um, I got Tim Armstrong from Rants and on this new project coming out. I gotta have Bruce Springsteen and tell him it's really cool because I live in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. And why don't you bring that up? Because I have that down here. Because you, you, when last time I met with you, you told me you told me the Mick Mars story. Yeah, yeah. Explain what happened there. 
Oh, well, um, I was starting to work on this album. And uh, one of the first records that um, the guy that was producing me, this guy named Sonic, came up with was like, he was like, yo, DMC, man, you need to make some more records like Walk This Way and Tricky and Merry Merry, those fun, you know, timeless records. And I got an idea. I was at the football game the other day, and I heard Ram Jam's Black Betty. You know, that's a blues song from By Lead Belly from the 30s, and he was giving me all of this. He said, that would be great for you. So what we did was we put the idea together, but we sampled it. And then we sat back and listened to it. He said, nah, D. He said, man, what y'all did with Walk This Way and, with, you know, with Rock Box and all that, man, you need to do this live and you need some real musicians on it. So we said, okay, we need to get a musician. So I actually was at a um, a meeting for that this lady wanted to do some cologne with me. And, I, you know, I don't like to do everything. Like, I don't want to, I don't want my own clothing line. I don't want to be. I don't want the liquor. But I always take meetings just, you know, to see what's out there so I can learn. So we go to this meeting, and in the middle of the meeting, the lady, she don't want to be rude, but she sees the number. She said, I, I got to take this phone call. And I'm like, cool. She said, excuse me, I don't want to be rude. But I'm like, cool. So she pushes the button, and she tells me, it's just Mick Morris. Hey, Mick, how you doing? This and that. Mick starts talking. I said, Mick, I'm, I'm so sorry. Can you call me back? I'm in a meeting with DMC. Say hi. And Mick says, DMC? Run DMC? Oh, man, I love them guys. Man, run DMC. You're the guys with the hats, and I love your style and all of that. And this and that. And then Mick goes, Man, if you ever need me to do anything for you, and it was it was like it was like the stars was aligned. I was like, oh, by the way, Mick, I have this song I'm work, working on. Um, I would like you to play on it. He's like, done deal, done deal. When do you want to do it? And I was like, yo, I'll come, you know, to L.A. soon as soon as you know, soon as you, soon as you want me to. And he's like, all right, here's the deal. You come out to L.A. Um, I'll get Nikki Six to give us his studio, and we'll go in that studio and we make the record. So we, I fly out to L.A., I meet Mick, he takes us into um, Nikki Six studio, and um, the crazy thing was, before Mick played all his parts, he said, um, you know, his guitar tech rung him his guitar, and he said, let me just get warmed up. So he goes in the booth, and he just starts playing and warmed up. He warmed up for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I'm telling you, when he finished, everybody in the room was sweating for what he did. He just played. I mean, it was the greatest thing, the greatest experience that I ever had up close with a rock god. He just, let me get warmed up. He played it on his left side. He played it on his head. He played it on his shoulder. I mean, he was just having fun, and everybody was sweating. And so we laid that down, and then a couple of weeks later, it got even crazier because um, we was like, yo, we, we got Mick on there live. Now we need every all the other parts live, so we got to get a singer. So I was doing this this um I was doing this event this show with MTV and Sebastian Bach from Skid Row was there and it's a true story and um everybody was walking around backstage was like yeah he's crazy but he's brilliant you know he did Phantom of the Opera his vocals are ridiculous this and that so I'm thinking okay how like we we know each other casually but we don't know each other so I said Next time I get up close to Sebastian, you know, I'm going to find a way to break the ice. So I said, let me just walk over there and ask him what time it is because I don't wear a watch. So I walked over there and I was like, yo, Sebastian, um, what time is it? And true story, he looks at me. He goes, dude, dude, it's 2 effing o'clock, man. 2 effing o'clock in the afternoon. Do you know what I really usually do? And he went on for like 20 minutes telling me the things that are possible to do at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And as I said, he finished that. I was like, yo, I got this record, and uh, I would love for you to sing. I'm doing Ram Jam's Black Betty. Set change. We in the studio the next day. Yo, the most professional, the most um, on point. The, he was... 
He was helping the um, engineers plug everything. He set up the mics. He moved the speakers. He worked the board. He swept. He cleaned. Then he goes in the booth and lays his vocals, the most beautiful vocals I ever heard. We sat there and listened to it, you know, once or twice, too. No, it's not right. And then he went back up in there because I, I was like, yo, those are the best vocals. I, but he personally heard something that, um, you know, he probably didn't like. So now I got Mick Mars and Sebastian on the record. Then I come back to New York, and I go to this party, and Travis Barker rolls up on me. And he goes, dude, most people jumped on the bandwagon and would walk this way. But when I heard Rockbox in 1984, I told my father, you got to get me some drums. That's what I want to be. I want to be a rock star. And then he goes, if there's ever, ever anything that you want me to do, uh, Travis, by the way, I got this sauce. I sent Travis a song. He laid the um he laid the drums to it, so I got Mick, I got Travis, and I got Sebastian. Right now, we're waiting for a bass player. We're trying to decide between um, Bootsy or Flea. But that's how that's how things come together, man. Wow, you ever see crazy uh, story, right? And then that led, and then that led to people saying, "Yo, DMC, what you up to?" And I played it for um, Tim Armstrong, dude. I got to produce your record. I ran into Joan Jett. I got to work with you. And then I ran into Rome for Sublime. Oh, I got to work with you in Sum 41. So it, it turned into a project that I'm going to put out um, probably probably like November, by November. It's called DMC, but the initials stand for Dynamic Musical Collaborations. Very cool. yeah, Working with works. the best artists, musicians, and rockers for the last 50 years. It's going to be crazy. Are you signed to a label for that, or is this a... No, no, it's all in the, It's just coming it's coming, coming together um, independently. Yeah, that's it. So it's your own... Is it your own... Basically your own record label, your own... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all artists' own. All of us, have, we just go in and there's no... Uh, cinema manager advances, and we're going, and, and that's the beautiful thing. You know, uh, there was one time um, somebody was telling me the story about how Eric Clapton was see B.B. King. Hey, B.B., what you doing? Man, I'm playing down at the bar in New Orleans next Friday. Eric Clapton be like, I'll be there. That's how the magic comes together when the artists get together and there's no destination and it comes together. And then that's something that, you know, the, the fun and, um, the, that's the, the, fun and the, 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 the feeling that we have, that thing transcends from the records to the audience. And that's what made, you know, the so-called classic rock great. Classic, I tell people. Classic doesn't mean old. When you say classic, oh, that's the old stuff. No. Classic means better than everything that comes after it for eternity. <laughs> and everybody goes, yeah, that's true. But, yeah, yeah, it's an independent project. We're going to put it out. And um, we're thinking about shooting a concert film for it. Good. Wow, that's cool. So um, who who would you get, uh, like, an ADA or a Sony Red to distribute it for you? Would it just be a digital thing? Like, uh, uh, No, no, we want to do vinyl, record store day, stuff like that. I mean, if there's anybody out there that has a vision of doing something that is great to be remembered forever, that would touch people and change lives, I'm willing to do it. You know, if not, I'm just going to put it out there and show up and play these songs with the, with with my fellow bandmates whenever we can. I've already done a um, couple of shows with Joan Jett. I went out there on her set. She was touring with um she was touring with um um Yes and no, she was touring with Heart and she was touring with um oh, Tag who was the other trick? band on it. It was Cheap Trick. Yeah, right? Cheap Trick, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a couple of dates with Joan and the teacher and we did the song that we did together and the crowd went bananas. It was like they 
heard it already. It was amazing. That's very, that's, that's very good. Who is your manager, by the way? Can we give him a shout-out or her? Yeah, Eric Blam, Eric Blamaville. He's been with me. Well, we grew up together, which is crazy. And Eric Blamaville, shout-out to Eric Blam, he became our manager when um, Leo Cohen. Leo Cohen was originally our role manager, mm-hmm. run DMC's role manager. And then when Russell and Rick started Def Jam, um, Leo had to stay well, he couldn't come on the road with us no more. And, we, and it was like, yo, we need a new road manager. And then running Jay was like, yo, Eric's always on point. D is never late. He makes sure you get there on time. Because running Jay was all over the place. They was like, oh, D, could Eric be our road manager? Because Eric technically was my He was my friend, but he was de- definitely my manager because I was never late, um, never get screwed, this and that. Uh, everybody told me, D, you can... You can flip out all you want. You can go crazy. But one thing I don't want you to people tell me this. Everybody that works for us, from Live Nation to promoters around the world, don't never lose Eric. And that's a beautiful thing because first, first and foremost, Eric is a friend of us. You know what I'm saying? Which is cool. So shout out to Eric Blam. That's cool. What would you say is the single most important aspect of the music industry that an artist manager needs to understand? Oh, wow. The single most important aspect is um, I mean over the last 30 years of this business it always the, the first and foremost thing was get a good lawyer <laughs> but um, the, the, the further passion I think unless you have passion and you care about the art and the craft or even the product you know you could you could be a pop star who was, you know, you got people writing for you, dressing you, this and that. But if you don't care about the art of the performance and entertaining and touching people, you know what I'm saying? I think that I can say that's where the problem and the difficulty is. Now, that being said, you can have the best song in the world and not do well, not get heard. But if you have passion and if you have passion you will succeed. I think it's being passionate about the the, 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 the the art of creating music and making music and stuff like that. Then, once you're passionate, the business and, and the legal stuff all falls in. But with, with the business and the legal, you're going to have ups and downs, and it's a learning process. Passion means this. If I play for five people, I'm going to do the same thing for the five people that I'll do in front of 50,000. The, the passion means this. You don't got to pay me. Just let me get on that stage, and I will do what I've been doing when you do pay me, if you understand. Now, Run DMC's early years, a lot of people don't know that when we first put out our It's Like That and Sucker MCs, our first two singles, we wasn't getting paid. We was knocking on doors. You know, the radio stations here in New York, or WBLS and... um. Uh, WKTU back in the day, and, and um, you know, um, 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 98.7 Kiss, a lot of times we was knocking on the doors saying, yo, could we get on stage? And they would tell us, get away from us. We don't want you rap guys here. We said, no, no, no. Yo, just give us 20 minutes. Said, well, we're not going to pay you. He's like, okay, no, you ain't got to pay us. And we would go out there and we would do it like that and suck him season. Here we go. And those people who had never saw rap or who had doubts about rap, they would be like, yo, could you get back up there and do it again? So I think being passionate about, you know, whether you're a writer, whether you're a musician, whether you're a singer, whether you're being an artist or being part of a production team, I think if you're passionate, 
having that passion strengthens um, everything else that comes at you once you get into the so-called business. And then once that happens, good people around you and um, a good, you know, good, good, you know, good managers and good legal people that care about you. Okay, great. Now you're going to be playing uh, three songs with us on March 24th. That's yes, and I'm looking, here. looking, looking really forward to it because whenever I play and whoever I play with, I'm not that type of artist that has to say it needs to go like this and it needs to be exactly like this. No, uh, uh-uh. every time you know I perform with Kid Rock, I perform with Aerosmith, I perform with my band, I perform with Chuck D. Um, I've done many shows with the rock band Jackal, Jesse James Dupree. Big shout-out to Jackal, because what people don't know, they're probably top ten, top ten greatest live rock bands on the face of the earth is Jackal. So I've, I've performed with Jackal. We've done records um, that we've made together, and we've done Run DMC songs. Um, I performed with students up at Berkeley. I've performed with... Um, you know, students at my camp. Um, it's fun for me because I like to see the sound, the feel, the style, and the presentation that um, the William Patterson band will give to me. You know what I'm saying? I always tell a band, listen, I'm not trying to be like Run DMC. I'm trying to bust Run DMC's ass. And that always gets the musicians excited because... You know, you play you play tricky and you play stuck in seas and you play walk this way. We got to play it to where we put the fear of God into Joey Kramer and, and Joe Perry. So I'm really, really looking forward to that because it, it's creative, it's spontaneous, and it's innovative because I'm, I'm playing with them. You know what I'm saying? They're the musicians. They're in command. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And uh, another thing that I just want to add real quick is that I love doing my catalog live. Now, that being said, the only thing that wasn't live on Run DMC Records was the drums, because we always use the drum beat. But on Tricky, Walk This Way, Mary Mary, um, Rock Box, King of Rock, Raising Hell, on all of our rock songs, we always had a live guitarist playing. We always had a live bass player playing. On our first two rock songs, a lot of people don't know this is good trivia for y'all, um, on King of Rock and Rockbox was a young guitarist named Eddie Martinez, who at the time was playing with Quiet Riot. So we've always had the we were, we've always had the live element. The only thing that wasn't live was the drums. And up until um, you know we started playing with Kid Rock and Aerosmith, we've always played. We've always sung to the records that Jam Master, oh, excuse me, Jam Master J played on from the turntables from a hip hop standpoint. Um, <clears throat> For me, when I perform with a live band, it's really alive. There's something about performing with a live drummer playing Sucker MCs and putting a bass line and a riff to it. There's Tricky and uh, Mary Mary and Rockbox and King of Rock. There's something very, very powerful that's different from when I'm just going over the instrumental of one of my records. So I'm really, really looking forward to playing with the um, WPU band. That's cool. And we're going to do a couple of rehearsals. Um, there's a couple of lines that I want to switch up on Suck and See so I can make it, um, you know, fit more. Instead of staying um, St. John's University, I want to say William Patterson University. A couple little things here I want to say about Jersey and sending kids to school and, you know, the reason why, you know, people shouldn't, um, you know, 
give up some loot for these scholarships because these kids are really talented. They're the, they're the next great um, people on the face of this earth. And it's, it's our right, and it's our duty, and it's our obligation to support them. Amen. That's, yeah, that's, that's, thank you. that's great. Now, the three songs we're doing with you, Sucker MCs, It's Tricky to Walk This Way. Yep. Uh, can yep. you tell us, uh, I know you have a great Walk This Way story. We'll save that for last. What do you know about, because we have about 15 minutes left, uh, tell us about the other two, Sucker MCs, It's Tricky, then we'll get into Walk This Way. All right, yeah, well, Suck, Sucker MCs is a funny song. The, 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 the story behind Sucker MCs was this. When we did our first um, single, the first record run the MCs did together as a group, Originally, I wasn't going to be in the group. Remember, hip-hop is just a, a, a cousin of disco. Because in the early years, it was the disco DJ rapping man. I'm the disco three. I'm the disco rapper. I'm the disco. So as a baby of disco, remember, disco had a habit of you have the, you have the studio vocalist. You know, whether she was, you know, a black lady or or whatever lady sang in the record. You have the studio vocalist who really can sing, sing the record, but then you have the the beautiful skinny model girl going around and do the disco record live. So it's kind of like that with the first record. Russell knew, Russell didn't think I was a performer. He was like, D smart and he could write. So I helped Run write, it's like that. And then Run was gonna go around and tour with somebody else singing my parts. So that being said, Run already had Sucker MCs written. Run did this record about a Sucker MC. And the Sucker MC is somebody that's just negative, messing up everything around hip-hop, you know, messing up the turntables, messing up the neighborhood, just a no-good guy. That's a He's not just a Sucker MC from a rap standpoint. He's just he's just like, like, like wrong for life and people, dead wrong. So Run already had that song. If you listen to Sucker MC... That's why Run rhymes three times. The record was supposed to be over. At the end of the record, Run was like, D, you need to impress Russell. You got to show Russell that you can rap. So get in there and say a rhyme. And I was like, nah, man, I ain't going back in the booth. Russell don't want me here. You're going to get me in trouble, this and that, whatever, whatever. So Run said, yo, D, get your butt in there and just say your newest rhyme. My newest rhyme was the rhyme that I had wrote about going to St. John's University. So I went in there. And Joe said, when, when, I, when you hear me saying with DMC and if you're ready, the people rock and steady, driving big cars, get your gas from Getty, you go. So he did that, and, and when it got to that point, I just did my arm DMC in the place to be. Now, the funny joke is the whole studio session, Russell was like, D, get out the way. Go sit over there. Go out in the, go, go out in the lobby because he didn't want me in the control room. When I walked out the booth after spitting my rhyme, guess who the first person there was waiting for me? Russell. You know, like the typical manager didn't want nothing to do with me, but then he saw I had something that was worse for him. So for the rest of the whole night, everybody came to the studio. D, say the rhyme. D, say the rhyme. So we're going to do Suckham Seas, but the cool thing about Suckham Seas, Suckham Seas was a groundbreaking record because at the time, all the hip-hop records that was coming out was a sample of an R&B record or a funk record. Good Times was Rappers Alight. Suckham Seas was just drums. But what we're going to do at William Patterson I'm going to allow the band, the musicians, to put a bass line and some, um, 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 some, some guitar riffs on it. So it's going to be Sucker and Seas 2017, the William Patterson University remix. And then we're going to do Tricky. We're going to do the classic song Tricky, which is one of those songs that for some reason, if it's Adam Sandler making a movie... If it's uh, the road trip movie, if it's Jennifer Aniston movie, 
I don't, for some reason, all of these movies got to put a tricky scene in the movie. So, and even to the point where a lot of young kids know Tricky because of Tony Hawk's, um, not, not Tony Hawk's, there's a video game called SS Tricky. It's a skateboard um, game, X Games, X Games game that's tricky. But we're going to do Tricky, and like I said, Tricky Live is really, really, really just as incredible, if not more incredible than the actual record, because in the, the, the Run DMC version of the record, a lot of the music drops out and it's just drum beats because that's where Jay's mixing the beats. When I do Tricky Live, we keep the groove going. We keep the riffs going. So Tricky is going to be an experience um, not only for the, the band playing it, but for a lot of people from my generation who knows the Run DMC Tricky from start to end, the way they know it, but the way I'm gonna do it with the WP band, the WPU band is gonna be um, it's gonna take us to another level, and then we're gonna do walk this way. The only way to walk this way can be done, um, you know, full force, uh, Aerosmith rock style. But um, I'll be doing, I'll, I won't be doing those vocals alone. So it's gonna be an experience. Yeah, and that's the song you're going to be doing that with uh, you and Rob Fusari are going to do the rap, and then we have uh, yes. a girl, Ariana Gates, who yes. who actually comes from some pretty good uh, music business stock. Actually, uh, her dad was one of the original engineers, I think, for a bunch of Bon Jovi songs going back. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, so you're, you're going to enjoy that. So it's, it's going to All be All right, good. so we got some real vocalists. That's good. Yeah. Look, I'm glad we got people that's going to make me look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Now, now, walk this way was a song. Um, you, yep. heard, I'm sure you've told the story a thousand times, but it's it's great each time. Uh, walk yep. this way was a track that you did not really want to do the way it happened. Right, true, true, indeed. We had um, it was almost like towards the end of the recording of um, you know the walk. This, I mean, um, the Raising Hell album. In every album, we had a rock song. So on Raising Hell, there's actually a self-titled rock song called Raising Hell. But as we was getting to the end of the recording, just like Jam Master J did when we did Rockbox, which was the first rock rap song that we did, um, Jay was like, yo, D, you've always loved to rhyme over. I didn't even know the song was Walk This Way. We knew, like, before Rap Records was made and we was DJing in the park at the block parties, we would go by the album covers. So I would always go, yo, get that Toys in the Attic record out and play number four. Because I just knew it was the beat that went... So if the DJ would keep that going. So he was like, we was going to loop it. We was going to sample the actual, we was going to sample the actual record and loop it. And me and Ron was going to put our rounds on it. And, you know, it's 1986. We came out in 83. So one of my verses was, I'm DMC and the place to be, the greatest MC in history. Robin on a mic since 83. There will never be an MC better than me. That's why they call me the K-I-N-G. And then Run was supposed to go, I'm DJ Run and I'm number one. Here to get it done and have some fun. And it was just supposed to be me and Run going back and forth over the V. It was Rick Rubin. Big shout out to Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, who was our producer on the Race of Hell album at the time. He walks in the studio and he goes, yo, do you know what that is? This record... Um, this is, he gave us the 411. The name of this group is Aerosmith. The song is Walk This Way. And then he was telling us the history of Aerosmith. And he, Rick goes, I think y'all should do the record over. So me.
me and Run, we thinking from a limited hip-hop standpoint. Yo, Rick, what do you think we're going to do? We're going to sample this sucker, and we're going to rhyme over it. And then Rick goes, no, you should do the record over the way the band originally did it. Jam Master Jay, rest in peace. Jay was like, yo, that might be a great idea, man. That's never been done before. That could be kind of dope. Me and Run was like, yo, 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 hold up. Hold, hold up, y'all better slow down. You're taking this rock rap stuff too far. We made rock box. We made king of rock. Me and Run going to kick our rhymes on us. So with a little reluctance, they forced us to go down in the basement. They said, leave the studio, take a pen and paper, take the record, go down to D's basement, put the needle on the record. I know a lot of you people out there listening to us, especially some of you youngins out there. <laughs> Y'all only know CDs and iPads and iPhones and all that. We had this thing called a record player. Rick was like, put the needle on the record and let it play. So we put the needle on the record. It played. <laughs> Now, we had never heard the vocals. That thing said, and you're a Stephen Backstroke lover. We got on the phone. Oh, hell no. This is hillbilly gibberish. This is country mountain music. You're trying to ruin us. And me and Ron, we cursing them out. We are not doing this. It's not King Rock. It's not Rock Box. To make a long story short, Russell starts screaming at us. Joey, because that's Reverend Run's real name, Joseph Simmons. Joey, you MF for this, you MF for that. You you going to do this record? Put D on the phone. D, you stupid MF, are you following Joe? So I hung up the phone. Me and, me and Run hit out for one whole week. For one whole week, we hit out for them. And then a week goes by, the next Sunday, Jay calls. The funny joke, you can still hear Russell screaming in the background. Is that Joey? Joe, you MF for Jay goes, yo, Russell, stop screaming at him. These stupid little kids, you keep screaming at them, they'll never come to the studio. So Jay holds the phones up, and he says, listen. And we go, Jay, where you at? Oh, Jay goes, we're in the studio. And this was crazy. Rick Nunn went to Boston and brought Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry to the studio. So Jay was like, y'all need to get here. you need to do the record, run DMC style, and, and, and just make it happen, and y'all can leave. So make a long story short. We came and we made the version that y'all all here today, the version that we're going to perform that night um, at the event. When me and Run was leaving, we looked at everybody in that room, Russell, Leo Cohen, Profile Records, our publicists, everybody. We said, y'all can be happy as y'all want, but y'all better not never put that record out as a single. They released the single, but they released the record. When the Racing Hell album dropped, they released the single without telling me and Run, because when the Racing Hell album dropped, the first single author was My Adidas and Peter Piper, but they released Walk This Way. You know, they white-labeled it to all the urban stations, and they sent it to all the rock stations. And then that's when the whole scene changed. So my message to some of you young people out there listening, be always be open to try something new because it might not only just change your life, it could change the world. And that's what that record did for us. But we did not want to do it. But... We did it. That, that's great. And what, what we're talking about, again, is uh, we're talking with Daryl McDaniels, the DMC from Run DMC, and he's performing at William Patterson with an awesome William Patterson University band. March 24th. Uh, March 24th, 7.30 p.m., Shea Center. Buy tickets now, wp-presents.org. $25 tickets. This is a fundraiser for music department scholarships, so yes, it's for a great cause. Yep. And we also have good purpose, good music done by good people, and that's what it's about. And it's a funny thing. I just want to shout out that whole era. It was, it was um, it was incredible that MTV was willing to put us on because everybody always say, "How does it feel to 
um, um, how does it feel to, you know, um, you know, when we got accepted to be played on MTV, when we got, um, you know, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whatever, and uh, a lot of people give us a pass. I know there's this big thing about certain rap shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and other rockers said, Run DMC get a pass because we did make rock records. Don't get it twisted, y'all. Run DMC, our, our biggest records is Rock Box, which is a rock guitar record, and King of Rock, where we proclaim to the world that we are the kings of rock. And it's funny, uh, Michael Jackson, when we met Michael Jackson, um, in the King of Rock video with Larry Bud Melman at the front door of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, going, you guys can't come in here. This is a rock and roll museum. And I scream, I'm the king of rock, and me and Run go through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we pull the plug on Jerry Lewis. And we, we go in there, and we, we, we wreck havoc in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they say we're not worthy enough to come in there. But it's funny, when we met Michael Jackson in the King of Rock video, Run takes Michael Jackson's glove off the display in the museum, throws it on the ground, and I stomp on it. We met Michael Jackson. He came in and he said, you guys are amazing. I love you. And then he said, I love the way that you dissed me in the King of Rock video. Now, what's funny about that, he didn't take it personally. He was so excited about we had the balls and we had the gall to pull his glove off the hand and step on it. But he said he sees how enthusiastic. He said that belief in itself transcended to him, which which was funny. But what I was going to say was... um. When we was um, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I want to let people know when you do that, this is where the passion comes in. Forget about being inducted for us. Just, be, just to be considered worthy enough for induction says a lot. We just wanted to be respected as a legitimate form of, of, of entertainment. And we was able to do that. You know, once we got away from stealing everybody's music that was already inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because... Everybody in there, we sample, you know what I'm saying? But once we learn from them, you know, the purpose and the things that we could do with the music, just to be considered worthy enough to be for the consideration of, you could come to MTV, you can come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you can come to this concert. You know, when we played um, in 80, I think it was like 86, Run DMC and the Beastie Boys, we played, when we, we, we played a show in Hawaii with ZZ Top. And I remember... We used to travel the world with the Beastie Boys. We all sat in the dressing room and said, we made it. We made it. We can't believe we're on the road with ZZ Top. So those things on that passion, no matter what, you know, if you're students out there listening, no matter what it is that you're doing, and especially this, a lot of people don't understand. If you love sports, if you love music, you don't have to be the musician to have a career in the thing that you love. You don't have to be LeBron to have a career in basketball. You don't have to be... Um, 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 you know, of the football player. There's so management, um, um, communications, advertising, the, um, 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 commentating. There are so um, um, you know, we need doctors. So I want people to realize whatever it is that you're passionate about, you don't have to be the one doing it to participate. That's great. And thank you for participating tonight in this interview with us on Brave New Radio 88. Thank you. And I, I'm definitely, I'm sorry I can make it in person, but when I do get the the, 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 um, the Black Betty record, I'll come in personally and present it to you and play it for you. And then we can talk some more. We will do that. We will definitely do that. And um, no doubt. the doors are open. I will see open. everybody in person in March, March okay. 24th. All right, we'll do that. Okay, cool. Yeah, March 24th, and I have to talk to you anyway outside of this to uh, work at the band practice part. And, yes. uh, but thanks yep. so much. 
Remember, it's I Want My 80s, the best of MTV's early years with Daryl yep. DMC McDaniels. Going to be here March 24, 730. Thank you so much, Daryl. I will be in a place to be. Talk to you soon, and I'll see you all at practice. All right. Take care, man. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. So that was pretty cool, Aaron Van Dyne. Very, very cool. Yeah, it was, that was really interesting. He, uh, he doesn't need to be interviewed. He just so tells, he talks. Tell us what you think. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it's great. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, so that's our commentary. We actually have to go. Another show's on. So we want to thank you for listening to uh, Music Biz One Hundred One and More on Brave New Radio. I am your professor, David Kirkfield, along with Professor Aaron Van Dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite. And we're off next week. We are not here. We're going to actually replay this interview next week during spring break. We're all so going uh, to where? we're all going to Fiji together. Fiji, okay. And the all, we all includes Ashley Weltner, who is our producer, engineer, everything. Ashley Weltner, thank you so much. Tell your parents we love them for having you. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening again. Always go to musicbiz101wp.com. This has been Music Biz 101 and more. We'll see you in two weeks. Instead of saying hello at every show, well, we always say at the end, adios! A friend of mine asked me to say some MC rhyme, so I said this rhyme I'm about to say. The rhyme was deaf, but then it went this way. Took a test to become an MC, and Orange Cook became amazed at me. So Larry put me inside, got to laugh. The show drove off, and we never came back. They cut the record down to the bone, and now they got me rocking on the microphone. And then we talking autographs, and tears and laughs, champagne, caviar, and bubble bath. You see, uh, that's the life uh, that I lead, and you suck at Because there's nothing in the world that run the level like a cold chill out a party in the B-Boy stand And rock on the mic and make the girls wanna dance Fly like a dove and come from up above I'm rocking over the mic and you call me Russ Love I got a big long cat and I like a Seville And written right on the side and read just to kill So if you see me cruising girls Bases, cooling out, girl. Take you to your death places. One of a kind, and for your people's delight, and for your sucker MC. This ain't right because you're biting all your.